Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Throw It Batch. This is a podcast where we throw back our favorite wine and cocktails while recapping the most loved and hated reality show, The Bachelor. But FYI, we don't hold back, which means we are talking spoilers, news, and gossip, insider info, astrology, and more. You have been warned. I'm Sam. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Melissa. Let's throw it back. Hello, everyone. We are so excited to recap the third episode of Katie Thurston's season of The Bachelorette. How are you doing, Melissa? How's your week going so far? It's going. I mean, what's today? Today is free hump day. It already feels like hump day, but it's my anniversary. So I am going to cook a nice dinner for my husband. Um, you know, wedding debt does last two years. So we'd rather eat in. <laughs> well, you, you know what else today is? It is the last day of Mercury retrograde. I do know we'll be in shadow for two weeks, but today actually has been a Mercury retrograde killer for me, at least like so many things broke. Internet has been in and out. Like my freezer isn't working. So I'm really hoping tomorrow things calm down. But for those of you that only know a little bit about Mercury retrograde, Get excited, but not too excited because we still have the shadow period, which things can still go awry, but hopefully things should calm down on that front. Yeah. Mercury retrograde is a time to cross your T's and dot your I's. And it's the strongest in the beginning and end phase of Mercury retrograde. So I don't celebrate too much, but it is pretty um, nice to know that like today is supposed to be the end of it. It kind of fades off like a song doesn't have like a hard stop it fades out at the end that's the shadow period yeah well hopefully it'll be good I just went on a bachelorette party last weekend for my future sister-in-law and uh, I was there younger than me and I was like you guys I can hang you have no idea like I'm not one of the old ladies, okay? I'm the cool one. Like, I'm only a few years older than you. I got oh, this. Oh, that's when you already know it's bad, when you have to prove it to yourself. It was crazy. I had literally the biggest hangover. Like, on Monday, when I got back, no joke, I was like, am I having a heart attack? Like, <laughs> it was oh. that bad. On Saturday, we um, literally went out for 12 hours straight drinking. I'm so proud of you. I mean, you've taken COVID and like staying in harder than like a lot of people that I know. Yes. But I will say, I wish I could be with friends like you in LA or San Diego. Ooh, San Diego, we would have seen a lot of bachelor people. That would have been fun. You can have a hot girl summer, hot boy summer, make (laughs) out, have those sloppy kisses, but be sure to take your vitamins because I'm sure Katie Thurston does as well. And we stand Katie and we listen to basically whatever she says. So tell me, what did you think of this episode? It was very, also, we just started cancer season. And to me, it was a very cancer season episode, all about emotions, um, a lot of tears. These typically aren't my favorite episodes, but I did like this one. I thought it progressed a lot of the stories. What did you think? I freaking cried so much. No one warned me. 
I thought this was just going to be about Thomas drama. I had no, I was not prepared emotionally for this episode at all. I know. I cried two times because I watched it two times. And I cried even harder today for sure. I was like, oh, this is emotional. Um, But I am glad we're getting a balance. Like last season was so much heavy. And, you know, this season, obviously there are heavy things. They want to have important conversations. Um, I think Katie's the most real lead that we've ever had. And, you know, for her to talk about the trauma that she's been through and, you know, also the trauma that the men have been through makes the show a lot more relatable. Yeah, I think it was a smart strategy on their part because everybody's got skeletons on their in their closet. So might as well just like toss out as many skeletons as they can at once in a controlled environment in order for people, you know, because if Connor B did make it far, the girl he cheated on would probably come out with this information. Then we become like a salacious media uproar. And now it's kind of nipped in the bud mm-hmm. because he already said it on TV. Yeah, it is definitely a smart move. I mean, that being said, I did think it was a little bit inappropriate to put the men unbeknownst to them in this like vulnerable situation. Um, but we'll get into that. At first, though, we start off where we left off last week. I hate how they're doing this again, where there's a rose ceremony at the beginning and not at the end. It's this like unfulfilled feeling. I was really hoping they would get back on track with two rose ceremonies this episode, but they didn't. Um, So we start off, of course, with all this Carl drama. She is, you know, really upset, crying. She She cancels the cocktail party. Greg pulls a Dale Moss and goes to comfort her. He's the only one. And do you remember with Yosef last season with Claire and Dale was the only one to go and comfort her? Yeah, he was the only one allowed. I'm sure the rest of the men would have loved to have gone, right? But it was Greg. This is literally one of the only times we saw him this episode. It should be Greg. He already has a rose. He was already a shoe-in. So anyone else going to check on her would kind of be like, what's your motive? I see that. Are you That's- trying to get a rose to stay? The, mo- the more neutral choice would be someone who already is obviously going to stay. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I don't know why I'm so like nervous about him still. I just, we don't know him that well. Like I still don't really feel like I know him that well. Um, yeah. I like him. You know, she's already had a date with him. There's m- multiple reasons why producers could kind of curve it. It's like, hey, Greg, since you already, you know, have gotten to know her, we'll let you go check on her. Oh, thanks. Like it could work in so many different ways. It's like part conspiracy, part. Yeah. Makes sense. Logical. Right. So Carl is literally losing it. They make it seem as though there's like a hidden camera in a room that he's in alone where he's throwing like fake punches and like preparing to box. And you know, you look in his eyes and he's either wasted or he's emotional and crying or just filled with rage and his eyes are watery. Like I'm not sure, but did you notice it kind of, especially during the rose ceremony, it looked like he was going to cry, but that also could have been because he was really drunk. Um, as a motivational speaker, I think he was trying to pull like a Tony Robbins where he's like trying to create some <laughs> Tony Robbins when he's not feeling like in his best mood, he'll like go on a trampoline or something like that and just start jump hopping or he'll do some jump rope. I thought it was super creepy as a freaking bystander to see that. But at the same time, I'm like, 
you definitely learn this in some like motivational speaker manual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Katie was teasing the rose ceremony at the beginning of this episode all last week. She was like, this is one that's never been like any rose ceremony ever before. And she was correct because the men unionized. This has never happened before. So, you know, basically, if you have something you want to say to the lead and you don't get that one on one time, you just you have to ask producers and they usually won't give it to you. So what happened was the first couple of roses went to David Hunter, Connor C. And then Mike P. The Virgin gets up. He accepts his rose and he says, on behalf of all of the men, except Carl, Um, we think that Carl is not telling the truth and she needs to know that. And she's like, does everyone feel the same way? And all the men shake their heads. And this literally has never happened before because when the men band together like this, like he, nobody ever says anything when they get their rose, except for, of course, like, yeah, here's a kiss on the cheek. And, you know, Mikey took one for the team. I, and, you know, and he seems like the genuine one because he's the virgin. She did declare to Tasha and Caitlin that she was going to keep Carl. Which was fascinating. It seemed yeah. very like producer driven. I'm sure they were like, just keep him. You can keep Aaron or Carl. And I think she wanted more information from Carl. And that's why she was planning on keeping him. She's already gotten everything she needs from Aaron. Yeah. And we'll get to it. But a lot of the audience members and people on twi- the Twitter sphere are kind of saying justice for Carl for about what's going to happen later in the episode. And we definitely need to debate on that. (laughs) So the rest of the people that she chooses are, of course, the single dad, Michael, Connor B, Courtney, Trey, Justin, Andrew M, Christian, Josh, Brendan, James, and lastly, Aaron. And being sent home, Carl, John, the sweetest, who Reality Steve thought for a while was potentially her final four. He's definitely not even close to that. Right. What a twist. Yeah. Kyle, who also I thought was really cute, kind of coming out of his shell. And Carl literally, at, at one point he says that he, they're going to have to get um, people to drag him out of there. Like, mili- what do you say? Military to drag me out of here or something? Yeah, that that in tandem with the punching the air was very it didn't sit well with me. Yeah, it was a lot, but again, it's editing. Like you have footage of people 24 hours a day. You can create any story that you want, really. And I just want to clarify my dog, Flex Carl, is with a C, not a K. So he's not named, he has no resemblance to this Carl. And and my dog's an Aquarius. This Carl is <laughs> <laughs> a preachy Sagittarius. So Carl doesn't even say goodbye to Katie, doesn't say goodbye to the guys. He just walks straight out. Goodbye, Carl. We think the villain is gone, but oh no, he is not. You know what I found hysterical is that Aaron comes out of the gate, nemesis, Cody, next nemesis, Carl. Like Aaron cannot catch a break, but I'm falling in love with him the more (laughs) he gets upset. I don't know what it is. His Justin and him, they both have the greatest facial expressions. They're both stressed out AF. And this is good TV for me. But Carl, like that was awkward. That was a very, very cold goodbye. Not talking about him to Katie. I mean, I wouldn't even feel comfortable saying goodbye to Katie. 
like I said on Twitter, it's like whoever smelt it, dealt it situation when it's like not here for the right reason. And I can totally tell Carl was there for the extra perks, not because he was like in love with Katie. I just don't see the the sparks. Did you see the sparks fly with Carl? No, she was only keeping him around because she wanted to know who said what. She wanted to know names. I think she just kept it around because she wanted to know names. Like, come on, Carl. And I think that was also his strategy to get through the rose ceremony, but it didn't work. So goodbye, Carl. That's the chance you take, you know, being the snitch. So next we have a group date with Nick Vile. Do you ever think that all of these people that they have coming in to do these special dates or whatever, they're kind of testing the waters for them to like potentially replace Chris Harrison at some point. I mean, that's probably what production is hoping to kind of like kill two birds with one stone, but I don't think Nick has any interest taking over that role. I think he was just honestly just curious and bored and it's a good publicity for his podcast. He was so funny, like his approach the whole time. He had like a, and and I love Nick Vial. I I know everyone's a little, um, he's like a little bit polarizing, but I I personally love him. Me and my husband listen to his podcast together. He was very serious. And I mean, like my biggest issue with- He had a serious role, so. He did. And it like, I don't think it was a role he should have had. He's not a therapist. He has his Ask Nick episodes on his podcast every week and on his Instagram. And the reason why people like it so much is because I think Nick is a bit of an honest dick. Um, so he just tells it like it is, you know, girls are writing in being like, we had sex a couple of times. He said he really liked me. And then I haven't heard from him in two weeks. Like, but he said he was on vacation and he's just like, he's not into you. Like you had sex with him too soon and you didn't know each other. So next, like, he's like brutally honest, but realist. he's a realist. He is. But like, this isn't the same kind of thing, like talking about rape and divorce and like all like, I I wish, I really wish there was like a therapist there. A therapist would have been good. I see what you're saying. He um, likes to put himself in a therapy chair. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, he likes to kind of place himself as some sort of therapist. Speaking of the cold, hard truth, we get a lot of Hunter this episode. I think Hunter is very smart. I think that he has been chatting with a lot of the different Bachelor accounts, Bachelor podcasts. He's getting ahead of the game so people don't talk shit about him on their shows. Super smart. Worked on us. The Bachelor podcast, same deal. They're like, we talked to Hunter, super nice guy. So they're not super hard on him. And they're hard on everybody. So Uh, damn Geminis are so slick. Yeah. I mean, he has, he really breaks down in this episode. I definitely felt for him. He talks about his divorce. I do know, and I don't know if they cut this out or, or he didn't um, express this at this time, which is completely okay, but he is sober, I believe. So he's a recovering addict. And I don't know if that had anything to do with his divorce, but basically what he said was that he met the girl of his dreams and then they had two kids and he was working all the time to give them the best life. Meanwhile, he basically abandoned his family. I'm not exactly sure what he did or what he does for a living, but you know what? Like he's still young. Like he's only a year older than I am. And, you know, people can make mistakes. And I I do think it was nice that he was 
honest. Like, I think this is exactly what Katie was looking for or the producers were looking for, because I don't really think she knew what they were going to do that day. I wanted to text Hunter and like commend him for that scene, because I thought that it was beautiful how he, unbeknownst to him, I think he was just, you know, basically saying his truth. But this becomes an issue with a lot of families where there becomes this, um, we need to work, we need to provide, and then we resent you cycle kind of thing going on. You know, it's like, I can buy you presents, but I can't be present. And Mm -hmm. being present is so important. But then there are people that have had, you know, uh, parental figures in their life that are so present, but then all they care about is comparing presents. I mean, check if you're your, where your Chiron sits and your astro- astrological chart. And sometimes you can find whether or not you're guilty of doing that. It's like, yeah, are you, are you sort of like subconsciously running away from your responsibilities by creating so many distractions? But he did learn his lesson. Mm-hmm. And I just find that a lot, I just see it happen a lot with the people around me that these, you know, guys are, they think that they like have to provide but it's at the end of the day the best thing to provide is like your actual like emotional and physical and mental time and like being there and being present and it sucks that he had to learn that the hard way but I I I don't know that was just raw and like really important for for TV you know kudos to him he does not end up with Katie obviously but I have a feeling that like they're good friends, going to be friends in real life. And it was interesting too, because Katie was on um, Brian and Mike's podcast, talking it out, talking about um, her sexual assault and all of that. But she did say to them, which I thought was so cool. She goes, usually the leads are so nervous for the men tell all or the women tell all. And she's like, I'm legitimately excited to like, see these guys again. Like I like them so much like as, yeah as though they were her friends she's like I can't wait to go to see them all again so I just got the chills wah, wah. and listen as you know as some can say that that whole uh moment in the black room with Nick Vial was kind of like emotionally invasive others can say you know I think it took the whole process speed the head and that, that's why I wasn't against the whole like Claire Crawley, Jason date, but I mean, other people had their feelings about that. Um, I do kind of feel bad for Jason though, because he definitely is like super shy and that was hard. But think about how many conversations you'd have to get to, to find out all those deep, dark truths. And she just got, got rid yeah. of it in the third episode. Next, we have good old Thomas. Wow, what a way to fuck up what we were trying to do here, Thomas. Like, he freaks me out, honestly. Um, He seems like a real sociopath, like a pro at gaslighting. I feel like I've known a million Thomases that are like, what do you want to know? I'll tell you anything. And then you ask them, and then they just give you compliments. Before that happens, though, Thomas basically says he was there for the wrong reasons. He wanted to build his brand. I don't know what Thomas does or what he was hoping would happen. He is on paradise apparently. Um, but he even told her that he went on a date the week before he went on the show. I can't believe Katie kept him after that. I could tell that there were really weird editing cuts here. It was like cut to Katie's face, cut to his face. And they could have just totally mishmashed like what she was reacting to. 
But I would have been like, you literally went on a date a week before you came here, you douchebag, but guys do it all the time. So there is a way, there is a part of me that thinks it's kind of cool or I don't know what the word is that Thomas was that like open and honest to a fault. But then he says, once I got here, I met you, I'm connecting with you so intensely all of that stuff is out the window, but he straight up admitted probably what a lot of men were doing, but will never in a million years say. What Thomas is, is a tactless person that wants to be tactful. I don't, he doesn't actually creep me out. I think the editing did that job to like make him more creepy, but I don't really think he's that creepy of a person. I just think that he's clumsy in tactless. He got all that positive reinforcement from Katie when they last spoke, where she's like, there's just something about you. There's this chemistry kind of thing. So he kind of tried to use something more recent to be like, see, see how things can change. Like I'll, I'll admit something I did two weeks, two weeks ago. Yeah. Which I think was, I probably really covering up something way darker from his past because if he's so willing to throw himself under the bus like that and he has to know that the men are going to be like fuck you dude like you're not here for the right reasons yada 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 I mean maybe he's not the biggest fan of the show but he has to have seen something before he got there to know that that was like not a smart thing to do so what is he really hiding I know I think he's just a tactless person who actually believes his perception of reality and like that's pretty much it yeah. Like he really, really believes like, oh my gosh, because she gave me all this affirmation last time we spoke and she's going to feel it again next time we speak. And I really believe I'm in love with her. You could have been like, I was lost. I was depressed during the pandemic. I didn't even know who I was. Mm-hmm. I ended up coming here because of this and that. Then this happened. And like, he could have actually had more like genuine heart in that story. And we could have all kind of walked away like, oh, that kind of, could have gone bad but it actually was like really endearing but we yeah. didn't get that we got this like phony little clowny like session so then we have connor b he cries before he even starts his story um and he prefaces it about how much he already cares about her and he's like really terrified to talk about this and he says that he dropped out of grad school and he was miserable and that's why he dropped out and he was working as a musician full-time at a piano bar drank for free and the drinking became a huge part of his life he was like basically getting blacked out every night and he was an angry drunk and said some really terrible things to people he loved like his friends and his girlfriends while he was drunk one night when he was wasted he picked a fight with his girlfriend and he went to a party got even more drunk and high and cheated on her and blew up his entire life in one day. He expresses he went to therapy, read self-help books, talked to family and friends, but he's basically still torn up about how he really hurt somebody that he cared about. And now he is a better man for it. He was really honest and open. He is a Pisces son. So emotional. I know we can't say everything by the sun signs, but he totally strikes me as a Pisces son. Likes to talk about feelings, can be romantic. Um, You know, Claire was like that too, but she had a lot of fire in her as well. What did you think about Connor's story? Did you find it authentic? Yeah, it was completely authentic. And I'm glad that he had that pivotal moment in his life so he could, you know, take a new direction and and he helped himself. And that's, you know, the thing about Pisces, like I, like I say with every sign, you can go in one direction or another. 
and um, a lot of Pisces do need to be uh, cognizant of when they are using certain modalities to kind of get out of their body, mm-hmm. like drinking or getting high, because that is one thing that you could be very susceptible to. Then you can use other formats to get out of your body, like music and art. So that's why the Piscean, you know, is, and some do both, um, but it's, you know, best for them to like really maintain uh, focus on like, you know, their artistic expression and creativity, whatever it may be, even science is creative. I'm glad Connor, you know, kind of had like that rock bottom to take a new course. I think that he seems like a great guy. I also, I can't, he just reminds me of an ex or something. He's a little bit too love bomby for me and intense kissing. And I do think he's genuine. Like, I don't really think that he is trying to be devious in any way, but I think you can already tell that Katie is slowly like less and less into him. It has nothing to do with this story. If anything, I think this story made her more attracted to him. I also love how he said, like, I'm not the good guy in this story. And let's be real. There are moments in all of our lives where like, we aren't the good guy. We just don't talk about it. Right. Exactly. It's just, it's all about taking accountability for your past. There's no way that you were like the perfect person. You're never perfect. There's no such thing as perfection. So in every relationship, there is some accountability to take. There's always so many layers to unpeel, but you're so freaking right. Like the love bomb. There is a love bomb. I'm talking to a guy right now. I haven't even met. I'm meeting him this weekend and I'm already turned off by him because he is like, telling me all these amazing things about me that I would love to hear, but I'm like, dude, you haven't even fucking met me yet. Like slow it down. Um, It's extremely unattractive to the point where I'm considering canceling. I've been talking about love bombing so much lately to friends and I see it as clear as day. Love bombing is a red flag. It's not just a fragrance from Victoria's Secret. Yeah, exactly. Next, we have Katie's revelation. She says that she wasn't planning on saying this today. And even on Nick's podcast, The Vile Files, he said that Katie had no idea what this date was going to be, really. So she wasn't prepared. She didn't have this whole thing prepared. She just kind of on the spot was like, now that you guys have shared so much and have gotten so deep with me, I want to share something with you. And at that moment, I I think I knew what she was going to say. And um, she said that 10 years ago on New Year's Eve, she'd been drinking and was involved in a situation where there wasn't consent for sex. And she was in denial about it for a long time. She even tried to date the guy after because she knew him. And I that's the same thing has literally happened to me. At first I was like, it's okay. Like we've kind of made out before um, and you know, this happened. And then afterwards I was expecting his call and, you know, thinking we would date then and we didn't. And I was pissed. And then it took a long time for me to process that. Like what happened was not okay. And it's not because he didn't call. It's not because he didn't want me to be his girlfriend, but it's really easy for women to chalk up sexual assault of any kind to a that it was their fault for drinking or whatever smoking weed whatever it was or wearing uh, you know clothes that might be sexy 
or saying, you know, oh, it's not sexual assault or rape because I knew him. He was my friend. He was this. And it. I'm just really proud of Katie. And I do think that like this wasn't a planned um, thing that she was, you know, going to say. And it took her a really, really long time to come to terms with what happened. And she was really um, like afraid of sex is basically what she said for a long time that she would have boyfriends and just had no interest. And she didn't explain to them what had happened to her. And, you know, now she's really discovered herself. She's sex positive. And, and I think that, you know, that's definitely something that's very powerful. Um, and she has provided a lot of resources for victims of rape and sexual assault. So yeah, I I thought it was really brave of her to share that on TV like she did. And her mom didn't even know about it. She had to tell her after filming. That was huge. And I have a lot of respect respect for Katie for for doing that. And I thought that the verbiage that she used was actually really good because she just was simply like, she didn't use the, you know, the R word. She just was like, there was no consent and kind of allowed everyone to, you know, put the pieces together as they, as they should. And this is why the truth is so important because it helps so many people like you in a way that you can't presently even fathom. But she did mention, like you said, that she was actually like, she was so far in denial that she actually tried to even pursue a relationship with this person. And that's the thing, like denial, go denial presents itself so differently in every single victim. And that's something that people feel they, they don't grasp it unless unfortunately they've experienced it for, for her, the denial allowed her to take that route. And for some people, the denial can last for a decade. As it turns out, um, what Katie had experienced is something that she experienced 10 years ago, something I experienced 11 years ago. And I was in denial for, I think six or seven years. Like I don't even care to do the math. I wasn't in denial because I couldn't tell because I was drinking or anything like that. Cause the truth was I wasn't even drinking, but I um, was in denial because your brain can literally just like block out trauma. When it happened to me, I had the flu. I had like 101 temperature and the sky oh and the guy that I liked was bringing me over soup. Um, no way. So you were having like a, oh my gosh, you never told me this, Sam. You know, for a long time, I was like, well, we had already, well, cause we had already slept together, I think. Um, so it was kind of like, I thought we were dating. We weren't, yeah. and we weren't dating and not in his eyes, but he literally like came, like my body was so hot, physically hot to the touch that I'm in and he left right after. And I remember thinking, A, you didn't bring me fucking soup. And B, you that literally- was his reasoning for coming over. Yeah. To want to make sure I was okay. Feeling better. Like, I don't even know if he brought me anything. I can't remember. I was like 23. This is, this was, this was actually, yeah, it was like 10 years ago, 23 or 24. And it's something that like, I just don't think men have been um, programmed, privy. Privy oh, yeah. to, programmed with like, and I'm not saying it's not their fault because it is, but also I think it was so powerful and important of Katie to be like, this is not okay. Like in telling the men what she expects, but also more importantly, it was America. Like if a girl doesn't want to have sex, don't shame her. Like if she does want to have sex, like don't shame her. If you know, like all of these things, yeah. 
So I think it was important. I mean, I know the male demographic of the show is certainly not as big as the female demographic, um, but men still watch the show. And I am glad that it's something that's continued to be talked about a lot more because, you know, people consider sexual assault, this violent, you know, which many times it is, it's terrible, terrible thing, um, which it is either way, but sometimes it happens in a different way that's really confusing for the victim. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like there's a million different scenarios. There's a million different ways that each person's brain and emotion can like transcribe the trauma that they've just been through. And that was so important to not judge when she actually came out with it and she spoke about it, she felt liberated. That's also how she feels in every little nuance where she is being like sexually positive. The thing that pisses me off is like, me and you both have a story. I have had very, very few women in my life that don't have a story to some degree. Awareness is power. So, um, I mean, Katie has a humongous platform now and she will continue to for a long time. So I am grateful to her and praise her for using it for something so helpful and, um, and important. So, yeah. And I'm sorry that we went in like a Debbie downer rabbit hole. I do kind of want to be a little more raw and real. And I do want like people to kind of like really understand like, wow, this is reality. And my husband knows. And honestly, and that's actually something that I I really, really should include that my husband knowing never made me feel more safe and accepted. You know, again, it's, it's your prerogative, what you want to do. But I think as for Katie, you know, being at the start of this journey, I think that's really helpful for her to have that kind of laid out on the table for her, especially if she's trying to find like her forever person, because the only person I've ever shared it to in my entire life is my husband. So, Mm. I mean, I think that that says something. Let's next talk about some husband material on a bit of a lighter note, because we have Michael A's one-on-one date with Katie. They take a dune buggy. And first of all, this is so scary. She's literally taking it, trying to do some B-roll and she flips it over. Like, what the fuck? That was pretty wild. She's like alone in that thing. And they have the camera in there. And the medic's like, you okay? She's like hanging upside down like a bat. (laughs) Yeah, that's the part that I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of just like hanging upside down. I think I'd be okay if I rolled it over, but I just like don't want to be upside down. No way. So then she takes a drive with Michael without like telling him what she had just done. And he's like, you killed it. She's like, actually, I'm going to share a truth with you right now. I just flipped it over. Um, He's like, you okay? She's like, well, you know, when you hurt yourself and you don't want anybody to know, and there's probably (laughs) like blood under your leggings and you know it. That has happened to me so many times. And she's like, well, I kind of am, I'm probably, you're probably gonna see some bruises later. And then he starts rubbing it. And I was like, don't rub it, it hurts. But he was lovely. And honestly, he's really sexy to me. I think he's hot. I'm oh just, yeah. Oh, I, and I bet you too, in person, he's like even 10 times hotter. Just gonna say that. He's a dilf because we see his heart and how genuine he is and how 
cool he is. But Dave was like raw, real, not phony. Like literally one of the best dates I have ever seen on the show because it like popped out of the popped out of the camera. Like, for instance, the connection she has with Thomas when they after they make out and they sit down together and they talk, there's nothing to talk about. They just talk about how into each other they are, mm-hmm. but they're, it's only physical. So, you know, we've known that Michael is a widow and he has a son named James and he was married to an amazing woman named Laura and she battled breast cancer for several years. He opened up to her in such a beautiful, beautiful way. You can tell there is so much chemistry there. And I love the conversation. Another amazing conversation that's so important for a widow to have with a perspective love interest, which is like my wife or my husband was the love of my life. At, at one point, I never felt love like that ever. But like mm. next time I fall in love, which I hope it's with you, like there, I, there's room for you. This is going to be a different, more unique kind of love. And for Katie, the new woman, new partner to basically say, I love and respect the love that you had with your partner before me that is now passed away. And I would never feel, feel insecure by that because I'm sure so many people would like, let's be real. It takes a huge amount of emotional maturity to recognize that. And also like claim that that's not going to happen. And and I believe her. I really do believe that she has Mm -hmm. what it takes to be able to she has the tools to be able to set that all aside and like completely have a new, what's the word journey with Michael and the way she respected everything that he said and the way he put everything, like his words could not be better. Like he, he said everything so perfectly. It, it was just, and she was taken back by how great he was not saying all of it. It was just so cute. And like, I mean, yes, she does have a huge connection with Greg, but with this state, it seems like she could have an even bigger connection with him. She cries at an ITM and says she thinks this, this could be the start of falling in love with Michael. Like that's the first time we've ever heard her say that thus far this season. And she says if they leave here together, it would be a forever kind of love and that this whole thing is so unexpected. And she was just over like taken she was taken over by emotion. And when she gave him the rose on their date, she says, and I also know that I'm offering this rose to James, his son. And I was like, Whoa. oh, so freaking cute. Go James. Oh God. And so then they lay under the stars and they kiss. And I think he must self-eliminate at some point. Cause we did see a preview of her being like, I wasn't ready to say goodbye to him. Um, I don't know. There's a part of me that's like curveball. Does he return? Like, does he come back for her with James? Like, I want that at this point. I don't think that's what happens, but I love him. I love this. And Katie even said the first episode, if a guy has a kid already, like, that's great. I don't care. Like, and if that's the only kid they want, also, that's great. I don't care. Like, whatever works. And, you know, a lot of the single parents that come on the show, especially men, they're kind of used as this, like, tactic. And then the ladies let them go because they're like, you need to get home to your child. Um, but it's almost an excuse because they're just really not into them. But this is not that situation at all. Yeah. I've been meaning to say this in the past couple episodes that I fucking love how Katie's like, not that typical bachelorette that's like, 
I can't wait to have my own babies. Like, listen, not every, just not every woman needs to have babies. It doesn't make us women, whether or not we have babies, like no matter what. And, and listen, I thought it was cute that Tasha said she wanted like four kids. Like, I think it's cute either way. It's cute. Whether I think it's cute that Katie's like, listen, if I'm in a relationship with someone that doesn't want kids, I'm okay with that as well. Like, mm-hmm. great. Because that's, you know, the way it should be. Like, it's, it's a decision for every couple. You don't need to have, you know, become this like hallmark traditional idea of a family because that's not really what makes everybody happy. The Bachelor Nation producers have done so many fucked up things, but I do think that they had Katie in mind for a multitude of reasons. One of them being how open and honest and vulnerable and straight up she is like that's one of the reasons they wanted her is because they knew that she would tackle a lot of topics that have not really been tackled on the show thus far in different ways whether that's not wanting children or wanting children or not really caring about wanting children yeah kudos to her course we have some more drama with Thomas Hunter is like ready to take him down and um the men all freak out at him and wait wait wait, wait. you're forgetting who else wants to take him down Aaron arch nemesis number three Thomas like who in three weeks has three arch nemesis Aaron is just like because he knows he's next he knows he's next and he needs that airtime. By the way, Aaron has been in paradise. I'm not sure if he's still there, but um, honestly, like, oh, he's really, you, yeah. you really think he's there? Oh yeah. No, he's been there. Yeah. He's been in, he's original cast of paradise. Really? Yeah. That's what I reality Steve said. I have Thomas in there. So is Thomas. They're both there. Duh. I mean, hello. Oh, so they can continue this little spar. Good. Yeah. Can't wait yes. to look forward to it. <laughs> exactly. All right. I'm going to cover Bachelor in Paradise a little later too. So we have some scenes from next week. Next week is going to be a lot lighter. I'm excited about that. While I am appreciative of the important conversations that we had this episode, we hopefully have some fun and surprises. We have a waxing date where Andrew S., who I'm obsessed with, we barely saw him talk this episode. He's like getting his chest wax. He's screaming. More Thomas drama. And then Tasha is the one that confronts Katie and says, somebody from my past has reached out to me and it's Blake. Blake is finally here. So this is week four. Here's an interesting tidbit. So on the vile files, he said, Nick said, when he met Katie before they started filming and everything, this, hey, get to know you. I'm going to be on. Nice to meet you kind of thing. Um, he did say that at that point, before the therapy date even happened, that Blake was already there and Katie knew and she was really nervous to tell the guys. So they've definitely jumbled some timelines here because Blake was there week three apparently, but they don't bring him in via TV until week four. I was surprised that Nick was allowed to say that. Maybe he wasn't. (laughs) 
Next, let's get into Bachelor Nation news and gossip and a little bit of news for us. I meant to say it at the beginning of the episode, but of course I forgot Mercury retrograde. I'm just going to blame that. As you guys have probably noticed, our co-host Caitlin has been absent these past three episodes. She's a great friend of ours. We love her dearly. If you also know her, she is an amazing travel blogger and has this kick-ass Instagram called My Darling Passport, where she's literally traveling everywhere, going to all these amazing hotels, doing all the cool things. So she's had to step back from the podcast and just basically be a guest that will be on a bunch of times. We love her so much and we're so excited for all the amazing things that she has coming in her future. But for now, it's just going to be me and Melissa and some kick-ass guests. Next week, we're having Steffi Hill on again, who is an astrologer and a psychic medium and also a huge bachelor, bachelorette fan. So we're going to keep the guests coming, but you know what? Me and Melissa can hold down the house and we love you, Caitlin. And trust me, she will be on very soon. Hopefully she will. Yes. Caitlin, the door is always open and we love you so much. And we're glad that you're kicking ass with your blog. Um, I'm obsessed with it, honestly. And I love to live vicariously through you and your myth, your, your wonderful sound advice is missed because, you know, we're two Aquarius moons, purple auras. Uh, yes. and you know, she always kept us grounded. Caitlin has that yellow in her aura to, to <laughs> ground us. And me and Melissa are just like floating in the sky, but it's okay. We got this. We got this girl. Um, yeah. Float with us <laughs> or follow Caitlin at my darling passport. Yeah. Follow all of us, but yes, please make sure to follow her because love her, send so much love. And um, we started this with her and you will hear from her again. But if you want to catch up with her more, make sure to follow her at My Darling Passport. So a huge thing in Bachelor Nation happened this week with Rachel Lindsay, um, New York Magazine. She is messed up. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the piece that she wrote is a... maybe a 15, 20 minute read. I mean, it's a read, but I woke up the second it came out, I read it and I was just like, oh, oh, there's so many truths and so many like things that did are- Did you cut your pearls? I did. I wasn't wearing any in my bed, but I certainly <laughs> um, clutched my cat Buffy because I was like, no way, no way. Here's the first thing that happened. So the piece came out, she wrote it with New York Magazine. Um, but this, these are her words and she's writing a book right now. So, and she's a beautiful writer. I just know oh, that, that, that she worked with them to kind of construct the story that she was telling because it's a really, really long piece. It's basically like two chapters of a book, in my opinion, maybe one, one and a half. The piece was released the other day and online, I believe it was, is that they had this title that was not what reflected the piece they changed it to has no roses left to burn yes so online the title was you know rachel Lindsay has no roses left to burn and she's in red they had a whole photo shoot um you can read the article online via vulture and she put out a statement that was basically saying that that was not representative of the article that it was clickbait with New York Magazine very closely on a cover feature where I was given the opportunity to tell my story and share my experience with Bachelor franchise. It was deeply personal, but I felt it was important to share. While it was very collaborative experience, they decided to misinterpret me with the headline that was chosen for the cover. Those are not my words, nor are they a reflection of how I feel. In fact, it is a stark contrast to the context 
of the piece. For me, it is very disappointing and disrespectful that the very notion I was trying to refute was against me by the publication for a clickbait headline. My truth and my thoughts are told on the inside of the magazine, which I'm very proud of and hope you all read. It was a really great and riveting piece, like I said. So here's a couple of things that she spoke of in the piece. She spoke about how she got cast on the show to begin with by two white friends, co-workers, I think she said, that nominated her. She had just broken up with a boyfriend and they liked her the second that she came in. And what they later told her was that um, they already had her to be the bachelorette before Nick's season really even started. And she dropped truth bombs even about herself and her behavior while she was on Nick's season and how much the producers were trying to protect her because they wanted her to be the first black bachelorette, the first black lead ever. And that the way that they edited some of the other women was not the way that they edited her. There were moments where she got too drunk and was throwing up in the bathroom. They could have edited her to be the hot mess, the blah, blah, blah. But what she later learned was that they were essentially producing and grooming her to be their first black lead because they knew that that is what the public needed and wanted. And she talks about her fight with Vanessa Grimaldi, who is the one that won Nick Files season. There has been a lot of rumors that a lot was cut out that season because they wanted Vanessa to look good because she was the winner. And they also wanted Rachel to look good because they already knew she was going to be the next lead. She, you know, basically talks a lot about the way that the franchise just tries to create stories around what is best for them. What is the best and easiest story for them to tell? She speaks on her season and how they cut out Brian a lot and wanted to make Peter, her runner up, look like this white man that she had basically like berated and made feel like shit because after the final rose he kind of played the victim and that she was really mean to him and it was just this continuing thing the only thing that they would really do to her during the process at least in the bachelor too was to kind of make her look like this angry black woman and that they would call her cold at moments why aren't you responding and she would say things you know like Do you have any idea what it's like to be a black woman in America? I don't want to be portrayed like this. It was extremely eye-opening and I'm really glad she said it. She obviously is moving on and has moved on from the franchise. I got in another Facebook fight again the other day about her. I don't care. I just, I don't want, I know Facebook fights and fighting with people that are, that are basically racist, even if they don't know it, I'm not going to change their minds. At the same time, I think it's important that when people see things on public platforms, even if you know you're not going to change their minds, that you need to at least continue to stick up for what is right. Because if everybody is silent, just because they know they're not going to be able to change this person's mind, then it's okay again. Then everyone's like, oh, nobody is fighting on this. She wrote a beautiful, beautiful piece. And she you know, has, of course, said that she's gotten a lot. She's gotten the love of her life, her husband, Brian. And that their story was not depicted in the way that she wanted it to be. And that was really hard for her. And then, of course, she covers the Chris Harrison thing. And Rachel did nothing wrong. All she did was her job. Chris Harrison dug his own grave. And that's the truth. And, you know, she's surprised by the way things have turned out. 
but it, it is what it is. And while the headlines are clickbaity and I mean, to be honest, even the photos are clickbaity. She's wearing red and, you know, like a big old, she looks like a rose. It is a very fantastic piece. I cannot wait to read her book. Not because I don't think she's going to talk that much about the bachelor anymore. She's done, but I just think she's a beautiful writer and an amazing and honest storyteller. Yeah. The reason why the, you know, the clickbaity title is an issue is because she is getting a lot of hate as if she deliberately wanted to like destroy and take down this entire franchise when that's nothing of the sort of what was going on. She was someone who hosted a Bash Nation podcast. She liked that she was being able to kind of like fix what this franchise lacked. She was there for them, but it all kind of like turned around on her. And I think what people don't realize is like simultaneously, she also kind of saw an ugly truth that she was probably trying to deny herself from seeing Mm -hmm. about the the same franchise. Like a lot of people are attacking her. Like, I can't believe you would bite the hand that fed you, but that's exactly what she wasn't doing because this could have happened a long time ago if she wanted to do that, but she Mm -hmm. didn't want to do that. The opportunity lended itself. Yeah. Harrison walked into that on his own. He did all that on his own. And it's a bigger, it's a bigger problem beyond Chris Harrison, even though, you know, yes, he was host face, but also executive producer, which is a huge, important role. So like, you know, this is a production made with how many people as well? Like there's a lot of people that. Yeah. You know, need to be held accountable in, in that scenario. And like, yes, of course they're trying to change. And she did explain that like when she did The Bachelorette and she was torn and was disgusted that that guy Lee was on there and the portrayal. She even talks about the regrets that she has from being the lead, what she wishes would have happened, who she would have kept around longer, even if she wasn't interested in them romantically, that their stories needed to be told more on television. And she wishes she would have kept them around more for that. You know, it was very honest and also acknowledging like how she did this, why she got in here, how she felt stuck, like how she also found love. And, you know, and that she truly wanted to make change. Also, Katie Thurston has shared the article. People are saying a lot of Bachelor Nation people are staying away from sharing the article. Katie is one that has shared it. So is Caitlin Bristow. Um, I'm not exactly sure who else, but I think it's very powerful and important that Katie is like, oh, I'm not joining this like fucked up team. Like, I'm still on Rachel Lindsay's side. I still look up to her. Um, and it's important, especially for this white lead to share this story. And not conform to the narrative that, you know, the mm-hmm. traditional Bachelor Nation uh, higher ups would want. Because they're all about keeping themselves so squeaky clean. We keep calling them Disney. Like, n- no. And But you know what? I hope they were prepared. Because if they, if anyone thinks Rachel Lindsay's a rebel, uh, Katie has a lot of things in her chart that's absolutely never going to obey authority or go with authority whatsoever. Like if they ever try to make her seem like she is part of some collusion of some, or like some, you know, false image or trying, like if they'd say like, Hey, like we, like the public shouldn't know this. So you should just, she will out them Mm -hmm. just for trying to hide it. That's what it shows in her chart. I know 
Rachel Lindsay is done with the franchise, but let me tell you, we are not done with her. We're always going to be supporting her. You're going to be continuing to hear news about her, everything that's going on in her life, because she is such a pivotal, important part of this franchise. And the reason I got in a Facebook fight with this lady, honestly, her name might've been Karen. Um, (laughs) It was that she hadn't even read the article And she was like, I'm so over hearing about her complain. Can't you just be grateful? And I was like, have you read it? And she was like, no, I don't need to. Because the clickbait serves more than the actual article. And and then, and these people know what they're doing. And that's why Rachel Lindsay was so upset because that's the, that's the residue of shit like that. Exactly. You're just going to scroll and you're going to read the one second headline versus the 15 page article. Yeah. And And that's what puts her in that in that box that she doesn't deserve to be in and read it. Let me tell you, it's not a boring read. Like I don't read a lot. I literally woke up, got the notification, sat in my bed for an extra 20 minutes and read this article. And I was like, Whoa, that is more tea and info than we have gotten in so many other things. And and, and you also read Colton Underwood's book. Uh, yeah, I did read Colton Underwood's book. You read yeah. a lot of Bachelor Nation books. You could actually just do an episode on all these books. I don't read, but I guess I read Bachelor Nation books because I'm a gossip and I love this stuff. Yeah, when um, you said you don't read, I was like, um, that's that's a farce. Okay, well, Bachelor, the, the, <laughs> the Colton book was in during quarantine. So I, I'm going to give myself that. Um, so Ari and Lauren's babies are both home now. Uh, their daughter was in the NICU and uh, she's doing well now. She's able to be with the rest of her family. And their names are Senna James and Lux Jacob. I believe both of them were named after race car drivers, which Ari is. So very cute, very happy for their family. A couple things about paradise that we have going on. So sadly, Connor Catman is now home. <laughs> he didn't make it long-term. And Noah and Abigail are still the it couple, which was very unexpected. And I cut out something from last week's episode because we got news after that made it moot. But Brendan from Tasha's season and Piper from Matt James's season had been dating and they weren't going to go on paradise. However, they changed their minds, which I knew they would. I knew they were little fame whores. I just, I, I knew they had to get that paradise fame and money. So they did go on paradise. However, Brendan was first and Piper didn't come till a couple episodes later. Brendan gave one of his roses, at least to Natasha, who I love. Natasha Parker, clickbait. Peter obsessed with her and honestly I vote for Natasha over Piper yeah she's a little more mature that's for sure I mean at least from what we've seen I do like Piper but apparently Piper is already back home in New York where she lives now I don't know if Brendan is home too but it's like there's definitely going to be a storyline on there about them dating them finding new people and Wells is essentially the new Chris Harrison of Bachelor in Paradise he is the ringmaster all these people coming in are not really the hosts they're just going to be there to kind of like host some dates So that wraps it up for Bachelor Nation news and gossip. I think we have some stuff for what's your sign, right, Melissa? Yes, we do. And this is a perfect segue because for what's your sign, 
I was going to talk about some Bachelor Nation spoilers. And if you don't want spoilers, well, you're in the wrong spot. <laughs> but I appreciate you coming by. <laughs> These are not set in stone because I clearly can't teleport myself to that beautiful paradise and come back. But these supposed couples are Kenny. Yeah, boy band Kenny. He's a Capricorn. He is with Demi, not Lovato, in Aquarius. I will preface these spoilers with that reality Steve has said many of them that he's given since them have have broken up, have not given each other roses. With that being said, it's interesting to see how they started out, how they could be a match, how they couldn't be a match. So take it away. Right. We don't know like really what ends up happening here. But in a perfect world, if Kenny and Demi did decide to go for it, he's a Capricorn, she's an Aquarius. That is a cardinal sign with a fixed sign. Um, I think like, you know, I don't know his big three. I don't know her big three, but Capricorn and Aquarius is just going by sun sign, which you shouldn't always do. We're just having a little fun here. Um, not like the most go-to compatible. No, but God. yeah. Cause I mean, I'm so much air and Aquarius moon and I, you know, you guys know how I feel about Capricorns except for Katie Thurston and Mike <laughs> Johnson. Let me say. Yeah, you're you're triple you're triple air, uh, Libra, Libra, and Aquarius. So, and you haven't done so well with Capricorns. But again, like I don't know their whole charts. I didn't actually take a look at that because I just wanted to run through these. But like, it it's possible just by knowing Kenny's personality that he would definitely entertain Jemmy, and they could have a really good time together. They could be really fun. I would guess he would maybe have an Aries or. Like some, he oh, definitely, definitely some Leo and Aries mixed yeah. in there, right? hundred yeah, percent. Sure. Cause he's a lot of fun. He is so much fun. Then we have Ivan, our sweetheart from Tasha season, Claytia season, Claire Tasha season. Uh, Pisces is, uh, Pisces. I call them Pisces. Let's keep that in. Ivan Pisces is with Jasenia, a Scorpio. Now, not only is this beautiful cause these are two uh, water signs, but we have a fixed and mutable sign, both in water. I like just looking at these two little peaches pictures next to each other. Like they look kismet. I really hope this is a real thing, like a thing, like a total thing, like a thing forever. Like they already have grandchildren, you know? I know, but like Jasenia, I, I'm, just, I'm interested to see how they interact with each other because she is so intense and like has her opinion just already like she's not going to change it you know but Ivan is just so sweet and sensitive and it's like I wouldn't want her to hurt his feelings I don't know what everything you just said makes a perfect couple for me so I'm like <laughs> this is great like I'm like great balance I don't I don't know but you know I get so ahead of myself and then we have Thomas yeah the Thomas arch Aaron's arch nemesis Thomas that just appeared last night he's a Gemini and he's supposedly with Tammy and a Gemini as well. Yeah. They're too much. I have a feeling they're the ones that didn't last. Really? Cause I think this is beautiful. Like honestly, even their names, Thomas and Tammy and their side-by-side photo made them look like a couple. Like, I don't know. Like, I really don't know the truth. 
can't you picture it like going to Thomas and Tammy's wedding? Can't you see that name like printed on something by like the cocktail, like by the champagne flutes as you enter a freaking catering hall? No. Like I picture it. Yes, but their union would literally like explode the earth in not a good way. We have a lot of Scorpios here because Noah, Scorpio, yep. with Abigail, Pisces, not, like- I mentioned Ooh. Ivan was the Pisces, Jasenia is the Scorpio. This is a little bit of a zodiac reversal here. Noah's the Scorpio and Abigail is the Pisces. That is cute. I feel like Noah, and same thing with like Ivan and Jasenia, even if they don't go far, I think that they'll be friends at least because I just can't see a pairing like this, like disconnect mm-hmm. out of the blue and forever. I feel like they'll remain friends. Noah and Abigail maybe it is a friendship maybe it's a zesty love affair i don't see noah like settling down i actually do and i and i will yeah i think there's things about both of them that people are very confused about i think they thought from noah's edit he was kind of this like young fuck boy but he was also way more mature than a lot of the other people on his season and he also is from a huge family he's a twin like he knows how to take care of people he had to grow up really fast and as far as abigail is concerned she put out a story or a a series of stories a little bit ago that basically said i feel as though people think that because i'm deaf i am this sweet sensitive person because of the way they perceive me but she's like I'm not saying I'm not that but everyone is kind of making this image of me that is not who I am regardless of what you have going on with you physically you are an equally flawed human just like the rest of society everyone's a flawed human yeah and the way they edited her I'm sure is was all they wanted to paint her in that picture well, I'm sure she did join like the corral with like, you know, look at her closest friends from mm-hmm. the show. They had a lot to say. They snickered. They judged. They, you know, they were a little catty at times. I don't say that they're catty people, but they got a little catty as they were all, you know, capable of being. Everyone thought it was like, oh, her and Ivan, because they had hung out before too, her and Ivan, Abigail and Ivan. And it's mm-hmm. like, actually, maybe she probably likes a little bit of a feisty bad boy with like a huge heart like Noah does. Because I think Noah deep down is like a teddy bear. I really do. Yeah, someone a little complicated, a little messy, you know, keeps her on her toes. I, you know, a Pisces does love to fix the detriment but I think a Scorpio is someone who will truly see and appreciate them for who they are so I think that's a really cute matchup and then what's even better is a Scorpio with a Scorpio oh can you guess who I'm about to talk about no I don't know who Brendan and Natasha so delicious so nutritious I mean, could it be possible that he had this whole thing going on with Piper? They were like, we're not going to go. Then the bachelor. No, 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 no. I'm sorry to cut you off, but like Piper wasn't a thing. She you- just created a lot of content because that's her MO. She's an influencer. She's going to try to make as much content as possible. She's going to say, Brendan, take these cute pictures with me for the clicks. And then somehow this like narrative is going to be spewed that they're like really an item when they probably were just like texting. Like, did they even get to like, 
you know, FaceTime level. We don't even know they who's did. saying that they were together. Who is a lot of, a lot of people said that they were legit together and they weren't going to go. I'm telling you, I'm not, I know you love Brendan. I love Brendan too. Okay. But I do know that he loves the fame a little bit. He loves the clout. Like if he didn't, he would be hiding under a rock. Like, I'm sorry. He'd he be pa- loves it, but he's not like Thomas level loves it. No, he's not a villain. He's a good guy. And he's also probably a smart guy that wants an opportunity. So I am just worried that whatever is going to be happening on paradise is very premeditated. I think that. Maybe he did want to fall for Piper. I mean, look at her. She's got everything. She's beauty. She's brains. She's everything. Like, but I mean. So is Natasha. But Natasha, exactly. She, Natasha is wise and grounded. Not saying that Piper can't be grounded, but Piper is. A young Leo. A young Leo. A young Leo. Yeah. Just like, you know, trying to find, you know, her way with the spotlight and everything like that. If I could picture this and I don't know them personally, like, I feel like Piper's like, all right, how are you going to treat me? Are you going to respect me? Are you going to show me that I deserve you? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And what's your standard for me? What's like, like, how are you going to measure up to what my standards are type of thing? Because she's very guarded and I sense how, how guarded she is. She was one of the younger girl. I mean, there's a lot of young girls on that season, but I think she was literally 23, 24. Natasha is much more in his kind of age range. And also she's established. She's lived in New York forever. Like she knows what she wants and what she's doing. So maybe Natasha kind of like stole him away on paradise, which I would love to see. But I know Piper is going to freak out because as beautiful and smart, everything that she has going on, she's so scared of looking stupid. She does not want to be made a fool. Either they were something kind of heading to, you know, a, a thing but they didn't want people to know and it got leaked and someone decided to share it all over the place or they actually weren't that serious. And then someone decided to leak it to make it seem like it was more serious than it is. Yeah. Well, cause I think us weekly even posted it on their Instagram, which now that you say that makes me think that like the bachelor producers were like, Hey, you have permission to post this, do it. They're a couple to get this whole storyline going. To make him the neck to block of the season. And like, Brendan just seems way too sensitive to be put in that, in that chair. So I'm no, scared. Brendan would literally be like, get me the fuck out of here. I don't care about this bullshit. <laughs> I want to go back to Boston. Can we go to Boston? Is Grocery Joe, what's his name? Yeah, Grocery Store Joe, Joe Amable. Yeah, so he's on the show with Natasha. That's going to be fun to see like an alliance like that. Yeah go to each other for advice and mm-hmm. I think that's really fun so yeah Piper is a Leo um so as far if you're curious as far as a sun sign exclusively sun sign match not looking at their entire chart Scorpios and Leos it happens like my best friend um and her husband are literally like the most beautiful soulmate couple in the entire world. Like people swoon over them and everybody wants the connection that she has with her husband. They're beautiful and they're Leo and Scorpio, but it's not that common. Most times I don't see Leos and Scorpios doing so well together. (laughs) 
stay tuned. We'll try to like stay on the money. Um, and I know like, you know, everyone hates reality, Steve. So we'll, we're also using other sources. And if you know anything, our DMs are open. Let's get into Throw It Batch. This is a segment where we talk about different cocktails or wine to explain the character's behavior for this episode. So first up, we're going to have Thomas. I'm giving him a cocktail called The Last Word because he always had to have the last word, whether it was interrupting to talk to Katie or just continuing to talk to Katie and making his stupid point known, which didn't make any sense. So The Last Word cocktail has gin, green chartreuse, and maraschino liqueur. That's a really good pick for Thomas. I am going to tell you what my throw it batch pick is from Michael A. It is called the Happy Dad. It is a mixture of vodka, Pontrao, and Campari. And after the two, you'll certainly be a happy dad mixed into a martini glass with a little orange twist. Looks mm. so cute. So for Michael A, I have one called Floating on Cloud Nine. So it's crushed strawberry candy, whipped cream, vodka, strawberry liqueur, half and half and crushed ice. He's just floating on cloud nine, looking at those stars with Katie. He's happy as a clam. I actually wanted to do one for Justin, even though we didn't see or hear from him that much this episode, but we did see his face and facial expressions. We have done some Instagram posts about it. Everybody has, it's fucking hilarious. So I'm going to give him a cocktail called the Grinch, not because he is one, but because his facial expressions, I looked back and I was like, oh, those are definitely the ones Jim Carrey made in the Grinch movie. So the Grinch is melon liqueur, lemon juice, simple syrup, and a cherry to garnish. I cannot wait to see the rest of Justin's facial expressions since we're going to get a lot more from that. Yeah, Justin is so expressive. Um, there is a drink called Mood 33. Justin, you are a mood and we love you. You guys know from the first episode, I was like, damn, like this guy's, I can't believe he's only 26. That's the only turn off for me thus far. He's so young. Really? He's 26? 26. He comes comes off so much. That's a compliment. Just maturity in itself. It's not about being older. It's about maturity. Well, thank you guys so, so much for joining us this week on Throw It Batch. If you guys want to slide into our DMs and give us your astro chart, your, any of your signs, please feel free to do that. Rate, review, subscribe. If you guys listen to us, we would love for you to just take a simple, small moment, write us a review because it helps us, but it also makes us feel like we are heard and seen and we are empaths and we need that. So please do it. And we are at Throw It Batch Pod on Instagram. But lastly, I just wanted to give this resource that was put on Instagram and throughout the show, which is um, R-A-I-N-N, and it's the National Sexual Assault Hotline. You can find them at 800-656-H-O-P-E. And it is a really great resource for people that just need somebody to talk to. And I hope that it's being utilized greatly um, after this episode. And thank you, Katie, for putting that out there. And we will see you guys next week with Steffi Hill 
She's one of our favorites. She has a lot of truth to spill. She's going to tell us all about the signs. And of course, Blake, who's coming on next week. We're going to hear all about that, what she thinks of it. And we'll see you then. Bye.